Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that it has the power to change our lives, and we ask you to change us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so I want to talk uh, this morning a little bit about going, um, going deeper. I want to talk about going deeper uh, in our walk with the Lord. And um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36 and 37, it says this. Actually, I'm going to start, I'm actually going to start a little bit further along in verse 42. It says here, And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. And I, I love this because it's the original blueprint of the Christian uh, of the, the Christian starting point, right? We go back to the, uh, the book of Acts, and it gives us the blueprint of how we're supposed to start as believers. And these guys were freshly baptized. They, they confessed Jesus. They, uh, they were baptized for the remission of their sins. And so now they're disciples. They're followers of Jesus. And the first thing they do is that they come and they give themselves to the doctrine, which is teaching, and they give themselves to fellowship, all right? And you can't separate these two things. Uh, you know, I've talked about this quite a bit, but I, I just really feel we got to keep driving this home. You cannot separate biblical doctrine and teaching from fellowship. You, can, you can't do it because the whole purpose of the Bible is God's plan of restoring fellowship with him and fellowship with one another, brothers and sisters, right? So you can't separate doctrine and fellowship. They go together, all right? In verse um, 46, we see again, it says, So they continued daily, say daily. Okay, they were with one accord in the temple. They were breaking bread from house to house, okay? And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. And so we see here that they were in one accord in the temple. So when we come on Sunday, we're together to celebrate Jesus together, right? For a little bit of training and equipping and encouraging. That's what Sunday morning's about. But then during the week, they'd meet from house to house. How many know we need to be meeting from house to house? Maybe some of you were bar hopping at one time. Now you got to house hop, okay? As believers, we need a house hop from house to house. Why? Because you have something that somebody needs. You have something that somebody needs, and you need something from somebody. That's how God set it up. I love this in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 11 and 12. All right? Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Paul is speaking here and he says, For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gifts. Okay, this is Paul the Apostle. He's, he's, a, he's a leader of the church. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And, and he's, 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 like, he's the man of God. Okay, he, he's a guy who has it all together. And look what he says, For I I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you to grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, we bring spiritual gifts to one another. And he said, I long to be with you so that I can do this, so that you may be established. And I love what he says here. It's really great. He says in uh, verse 12, When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And this, he's got up the New King James. I'm reading of the New Living, but it's the same thing. That we're, we're, we're encouraged by our mutual faith, right? Here we go. 
I want to be encouraged. So Paul the Apostle is saying, I'm encouraged when I get around other believers. As a pastor, I'm encouraged when I come and sit down at one of your homes. or we have. You can encourage me in the Lord. How many know that it doesn't matter where we are in our spiritual journey, we need to encourage one another, right? How many see that? Okay? And so we want to be a church. We don't want to be a church that does small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. Does that make sense? We want, we want to be meeting from house to house during the week, just building each other up, edifying one another, right? We have to be going out and reaching people, but we also need to be there for one another. So why are small groups important? Okay? We use the, the term connect group. And this is where we can look at our notes. The first one is uh, connect groups provide opportunity for Bible study. Okay? So you can put that on the first blank. Um, connect groups create a place for Bible study. I, I have to bring a word to you guys every Sunday. So it forces me not just to read the Bible but to study. Right? If I wasn't preaching every week, I'd probably not study as much as I do. Right? And so how many know we need each other when we get together, we can study. It forces us to set a time to study and look together at the scripture. How many know that's important? Okay. So I need people, and this goes on your, on your blank, to strengthen and balance the word of God in my life. I need people to strengthen and balance the word of God in my life. You know, the Bible was written by 52 authors over a very long period of time that they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. And there's over 351 uh, Old Testament scriptures that were fulfilled by, by Jesus. That's a lot of scriptures. Okay? I'm going to cover more of this in the weeks to come about the, the authenticity of the Bible. But I'll share this here. Uh, in the book, there's a book called uh, Science Speaks by Peter Stoner and Robert Newman, and it discusses the statistical improbability only 44 of those prophecies about Jesus is it equals 1 to the 10th power uh, 10 to the 17th power the probability that one man could could actually fulfill just 44 of the prophecies that means that you could take quarters and spread them all over the state of Texas 2 feet high and you can blindfold someone and say walk into the middle of Texas as far as you want reach down and you'll grab the quarter Okay, out of the pile, that is the right quarter. That's, the, that's how we know that the Bible, if you study the Bible, that Jesus actually fulfilled the prophecies. Isn't that awesome? That's pretty cool. And the, and the Bible, but here's the thing, the Bible itself has no power to save you. The Bible itself can't save you, it can't change you, it can't transform you. It's a book, and it's written, uh, men were inspired by God, and the scriptures are of God, but the Bible cannot save you, and the Pharisees thought it could. And the religious leaders came to Jesus, and in John chapter 5, verse 38 to 39, Jesus says to the religious leaders, But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, the Father, you do not believe, because these are they which testify of me. And Jesus was saying, you're reading the Bible, and, and, and you're thinking that if you, if you search the Scriptures, if you study the Scripture, you're going to find freedom, you're going to find happiness, you're going to find forgiveness for your sins, you're going to have favor with God. And he's saying, nope, you won't find that in the Scriptures. What you're going to find is a description of me. I'm the one who brings healing. 
I'm the one that brings forgiveness, right? And so the Bible is really a description so that it's a roadmap to Christ. The people in the Old Testament were reading and saying, okay, well, this Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, and, and he's supposed to be of the line of David. And, and, and they began to go through all the prophecies, and it was like a roadmap. So they began to look for the Messiah, right? I mean, it's kind of like this. Uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, somebody had lost a dog in our neighborhood, and I didn't know about it, but this, someone brought over this poster and had this golden lab on the, on the poster. It says, this is my dog. has been missing for six weeks. Uh, the last time we saw this, our dog, it was in this general area, and the dog answers by the name of, I'm going to say Rusty, because I can't remember the name. Rusty, right? Answers by the name of Rusty. And so I've got this poster... And me and the kids are driving around in the car. So for the next few days, we're like, we're always scanning and we're looking. Where's Rusty? We're going to find Rusty because it was a reward. We're like, yes. So we're looking for Rusty. And uh, we're driving down to pick up one of my daughter's friends for youth. We're going down this, this road. And all of a sudden, we pull up. And uh, we're going by this house. And there's Rusty in someone's front yard. It looks just like the picture. And I'm like, Someone took the dog. So me and the kids drive up this long driveway, and I'm about to get out of the car, and this big guy comes out. And he's like, yes, can I help you? I said, I got a poster here. Somebody lost a dog. And I says, is this your dog? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I've had this dog since it was a puppy. It's not that dog. And he was getting really, thought I was going to take his dog. And I said, okay, no, I, I believe you. It says here that he answers to the name of Rusty. You know, that guy's looking at me like, Okay, I better go. The dog's looking at me strange. The guy's looking at me strange. So, um, so I drove off. Just wanted to be sure, right? But, but here's the thing. It was like if I didn't have that poster in my hand, I wouldn't have been looking in the right place. I wouldn't even have known. And that's what the Word of God is. And that's what Jesus said, that this book, it testifies about me. It talks about who I am. So we need to study the Bible. And studying the Bible is good. But here's, here's another idea. What if we let the Bible study us? You ever thought of that? What if we let the Bible actually study us? Instead of looking for information, what if we let the Bible bring transformation? Right? And impartation to our lives. And I love that because in James chapter 1, verse 22 to 29, and, and here's the thing. I, I got friends and we all have a little bit of a different slant on certain scriptures and certain things, and we can sit and argue about that, but I don't think that's important to God. The, like little details of, you know, all the small doctrinal issues. Because I like what James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. See, it's not just about information. It's not, what can I learn? What can I learn? It's, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? God, what are you calling me to do? How can I change my life, right? For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his natural face in the mirror, and he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And, you know, sometimes, you women, you get up in the morning, you probably look at yourself in the mirror. Some of us men forget to. I went to work one day, and I had a meeting with somebody, and they're looking at me like, just kind of looking at me wrong, and I'm like, what's his problem? And then I saw somebody else, I'm like, what is their problem? Everyone's giving me, like, this funny look today. And I'm like, it must be spiritual warfare. Who knows, right? <laughs> and I go to the bathroom, I look in the mirror, my hair is, like, jotting up like this, like I got bedhead, right? 
I'm like, oh my goodness, I gotta look in the mirror. We men have to remember to look in the mirror because I'm, I'm a hair sticking up like this, and nobody, nobody had the courtesy to tell me, Pastor, your hair is sticking up. But how many know when we look at the mirror and we see the condition so we can, you know, I, if I would have looked in the mirror, I would have fixed my hair so I could have been presentable. And, and this is what James is saying. Many people walk away and they forget the state that they're in. They're supposed to fix themselves up. They're supposed to change the way they're going, right? And it says here, but he who looks into the perfect law, say perfect law, of liberty. Now, this is awesome because so many people think if I follow God's rules, then it's going to bring bondage. No, it's the opposite. It brings liberty. It brings freedom into your life. When I started obeying God's word, freedom began to come. Joy began to come. Peace began to come. All right? So it brings liberty. It says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the... No, a lot of people say that. It's not the word a doer of the work. Say, God has work for us to do. Say, God has work for me to do. All right? It says, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so we want to be doers of the work that God has for us to do. All right? And so so this is the first point, Bible study, very important. And in Connect Group, what we encourage you to do, if you're going to a Connect Group or if you want to start one, is not just to study, let's just get head knowledge, but to process, I call it processing the word. Hey, what does this mean to you? How does it apply to your life? How can we come in line with the script? Let's pray for you that you can forgive your neighbor. Let's, let's process the word together. Can I hear amen? amen? So the first one is that. Second one is fellowship, goes on the, the blank. I need people who really know me. Okay, I need people who really know me. Those are the things that go in the blank. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, it says, and this is the New King James, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let's consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So we're to stir up love and good works. How many have ever been down and you just feel like, you know, you're kind of at the end of your rope and you're tired and then you get around someone like, hey, you can do it, you know, and they encourage you and they tell you what, what's going on in their life. And you're like, yeah, and it kind of lifts you up. How many have ever experienced that? Okay, we need each other for that. I need you for that. You need me for that. We need to stir up love and good works. Secondly, we're supposed to exhort one another. The word exhort means to strongly encourage, strongly encourage. The scripture for that is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, so encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. Encourage one another, build each other up just as you are already doing. The third reason why connect groups are important is, goes on the third blank, is prayer. How many know prayer is important? And the next line says, I need people to pray for me personally. I need people to pray for me personally. And so when you get together with people and you build a friendship, you begin to pray for one another personally. 
And prayer is something that has to be personal. Prayer is something that has to be persistent, something that we do because there's power in prayer. Last week, I talked about how God answers Paul's prayers through a man named Ananias, just a certain disciple. Paul was crying out and saying, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to come and touch my life, and I need you to, you know, give me direction. And Ananias is in his prayer closet, just a certain disciple, and he's praying and saying, God, what would you like me to do today? And God says, I want you to go visit Paul because I have work for him to do, and I want you to lay your hands on him. And I said last week, why didn't Paul just answer, you know, Paul's, why didn't God just answer Paul's prayer? Because he wants to get us involved in the process of helping one another answer the prayers we're praying, okay? You need to know people. Uh, you need people who know you personally to pray. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's times when you need, you need people to pray for you. There's times when I need people to pray for me. Amen? And God wants us to be close and do that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 19. I'm reading this one out of the New Living Translation. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's something about persistent prayer. We just keep pushing in. You keep praying. You keep pushing until something happens, right? That tells me that you can actually change stuff with your prayers, if you're persistent. So God wants us to persistently be praying for all believers where? Everywhere. And he says here, he says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan, the good news that is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I love in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Peter... Uh, was therefore kept in prison. How many of you know there's times when you feel you're like shackled up? Peter was kept in prison, and the church prayed very earnestly for him. And there's times when we need to be praying earnestly for others. Amen? So the last one, the last line, the fourth reason why connect groups are so important is that we need support. We need support. I need people, this is the next blank, I need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. And you know, you think about the battlefield and you think of those in the trenches of World War I and II, the, the great wars that were fought, and the camaraderie, is that the word? Yeah. And how they would protect each other, and one would, one would stand and shoot while the other one would run across the lines, and there was a watching each other's back and that's what God's called us to do as a church to watch each other's back and to support one another see I need people who will protect me okay I love this passage here in Acts chapter 9 verse 22 to 25 and I'll be closing in just a quick minute here it says but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And I love this because uh, the Bible is saying Paul was increasing in strength. Paul was, was 
Well, he was on top of the mountain. He was the man of God for the hour. I'm telling you, he was out there proving that Jesus was the Christ, probably doing miracles. People are going, look at this guy. He's, he's proving Jesus is the Christ. He's doing miracles. This, this guy is something special. And, and all of a sudden, you can be on the top of your world, and everything's going great, and then something can switch. And all of a sudden, you're in a trial. How many know what I'm talking about? And I love this because Paul shows us in the scripture that the hot shots of scripture that we respect and honor so much, like Paul the Apostle, it shows his good, it shows his, his highlights, and also shows his valleys. So, so we can relate to this. Look what happens in the next verse here. Now, after many days went past, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Talk about a flip, Right? And then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And and here's the thing. Sometimes we need others to hide us and help us over some walls. You know? It's kind of like, you know, I'm going to have Peter come up here for a second. Just come. You're going through some persecution. Okay? People are attacking you. And I get Anita to come up here. Camilla, come up here. We're going to help you. You guys are here, right? And you see that he's being persecuted. He's being attacked by somebody. People are talking bad about him in the church because maybe Peter fell into sin again. Pastor Peter. We'll pray for you, brother. (laughs) And then what happens is everyone starts attacking him, and then the other disciples here, they can start attacking him too. uh, But what if these disciples said, no, come here, Peter. Sit here. You have a seat. Now you turn and you face the audience and you say, you're not going to touch him. He's being hidden right now. We're protecting him because he's wounded. And he, they, they, the disciples did that. They said, no, no, Paul, we're going to hide him. We're going to hide him. People are trying to hurt him. The, the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the church. He wants to bring division. And what the church, too many churches, too many leaders do is they get up and they criticize other churches and other leaders instead of protecting them. So what, their doctrine's off a little bit. Go talk to them about that. Don't put it on Facebook because you want to protect, protect the body, protect people, because the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to bring division. He wants to, and, and so, so they protected Paul, or Peter, and then, or Paul. Thank you, I got it right. Peter, Paul, Paul, Peter. That's right. And let him down the wall. How many know sometimes you can be seated? Thank you. We need people to hide us and we need people to help us over some walls when we're going through a hard time and sometimes if you're a part of a small group a connect group and you're going through a tough time you need people that can get around you and pray with you and protect you from the enemy we don't fight against flesh and blood pray for you protect you hide you when people talk bad about you say no no you don't understand that's not their intention they they love people and just how many know we need to be protected and that's why we need to do that Okay? Sometimes we go through hard times and we just need support. Here's my very last scripture and then we're going to close. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 10 to 14, Joshua did as Moses commanded him and went out to fight the Amalekites. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won the battle. But when his arms went down, He started to lose the battle. The Amalekites started winning, and Moses' arms got very tired. So Aaron and Hur brought up a stone for him to sit on, 
And while they stood beside him and held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down, in this way Joshua totally defeated the Amalekites. All right? And the Lord said to Moses, write on an account of this victory so it will be remembered. And I think this is so important because the Bible says we're to lift up holy hands unto the Lord, which is really a symbol of I'm surrendering to God, I'm surrendering to your will, and I'm also, it's a form of I'm praising my God, I'm, I'm going to praise him. And there's times when you're going through the battle where it's, you get tired and you begin to drop your arms saying, this battle is taking too long. This persecution is taking too long. I've been looking for a job for, for two years. I haven't found a job yet. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. And your arms begin to come down and you begin to get tired. And I've been fighting for my health and my healing for so long. And I'm just tired and I'm just going to let my arms come down. And then two people from the body of Christ, you can come up and help me, Camilla and Anita. And my arms are coming down. And I'm just like, I, I can't do it anymore. And they lift my hands and they say, you can do it. In fact, have a seat. We'll stand. And then I get to sit down. I don't have a stone. But you see how that works? We need each other. We need to connect in small groups so we can lift one another up. We can edify one another. We can build one another up. And many times we struggle because we get so busy, we don't have time anymore to meet. And um, always interesting in Scripture, when they met together in homes, they broke bread. Because communion, we've made it just kind of, you know, we do it, we have the bread and the communion, we do it just... It's something we do as a program. But they did it because when you broke bread, Jesus said, when you break bread, do it in remembrance of me. Right? When you drink the cup, do it in remembrance. And so you, you get together, and you eat a meal together, and you pray for one another, and you remember Jesus is with you both. And that's why breaking bread is always important. You know, twice a month now, I've been meeting with the eldership team, and we meet, and we just have lunch, and we pray. And we believe just in that alone, God will begin to build some organic strength in this church. Amen. But we all need to be doing that. Amen. So why don't we stand? We're going to pray. And I want to encourage you, if you're not meeting as part of a, with a connect group, go online. We have a site that says connect groups. You can sign up. Maybe you want to be a connect group leader because there's nothing in your area. That's awesome. Come talk to me. The only thing we ask is that you go through the growth tracks. So you know our vision, our values. And we'll help you start one because we want to open up our home so God can move and God can use that as an opportunity for us to grow deeper with one another. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for all of your people here, God. I thank you for this word. God, it's a bit of a challenge this morning that we can begin to just focus on going deeper by growing smaller in fellowship with one another. We thank you for, in Jesus' name, I pray for all your people, God, today. I thank you, Father, that healing will begin to flow. Uh, if there's healing, people need healing in their body, God, that you're going to bring healing. You're the great physician. God, I pray, Lord, if they just need emotional strength, God, you're going to be there, God. Father, if their arms are coming down and they're tired, Lord, that you'd bring people around them to lift up their arms. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I'm just going to ask that question. I'm going to throw out, is there anybody here who's just really, really tired? Just your arms are down and you're just exhausted, spiritually speaking. Just, just lift up your hand. I'm not calling you to the front. I just, there's a case. So I want everyone to look around. Look for a hand. Don't, no, it's not to be embarrassed. Look for hands up. 
And if you're, if you're near those people that got their hand up, just gather around them and just as we're finishing off today and just pray. Pray for them and encourage them in the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.